Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Something to Tech About Season 3. New for this season, we are offering digital evidence of active learning or deal with it challenges. The more deal with it challenges you accept, the more tools you will have to support your students as they think critically, work collaboratively, stimulate creativity, and practice communicating all 21st century skills. Hello, um, and welcome to Something to Tech About, episode 14. This is our last episode for season three, and we are so excited to have our guest speaker here, um, Miss Sarah Clark from Pooler Elementary. And we're just going to um, talk with Sarah a little bit about her experiences as a parent facilitator, as well as a parent during our remote learning um, episodes, I guess. Um, so, Sarah, welcome. Um, Thank you. To tech, you're glad to have you here. Glad um, to have you, Sarah. Why <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't you start out and just um, introduce yourself to our audience, and um, then we'll just kind of, you know, get a conversation going. All right. Sounds great. Um, first, thank you so much for having me. Uh, like you said, my name is Sarah Clark. I am a California native, Georgia transplant, um, kind of lives all over. My background is in education, but it was more um, active duty Navy. While my husband was active duty, I taught um, families and commands about family engagement and resilience. And we moved to Georgia and ended up um, volunteering a lot in education and happened to fall into the parent slash family engagement facilitator role. So it's been really kind of interesting. My kids have kind of grown up um, around training and education and um, being involved and engaged. I think that's really important. So um, things I'm really, really passionate about. And so um, this whole remote learning adventure that we've all kind of been on has been a really um, eye-opening experience, but also a fascinating one because uh, I just actually finished my master's in learning design and technology. So this was kind of a good way to wrap up my program. Um, a little bit of real life. <laughs> Great way to celebrate. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I have three very uh, busy but awesome boys, uh, two teenagers and a five-year-old. So um, quarantine has been an adventure. Wow. And, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a wonderful husband who puts up with me. We've been married almost 15 years, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on, and you're certainly invested yeah, in education. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So many spinning plates, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Sarah, tell us about uh, your role as your as the family engagement slash facilitator um, in the remote learning, the distance learning journey. Um, how has that role 
changed for you um, from when you were able to possibly meet face to face with parents or, you know, discuss things with them to um, what it looked like during the um, quarantine? Okay. Well, typically the role of the facilitator is obviously you run the family center at your specific site. The families can come in, they can get materials, they can check things out. Obviously, we couldn't do that in um, this particular environment, but it really kind of gave an opportunity to create some options for our families. Many of them are very um, social media savvy. They want the instant information. They want the ability to go somewhere, download what they can, you know, what they want, and then just kind of move on to whatever the next thing that they were doing. So we had talked about, um, our, our, my principal and our administrative team, we had even talked about before all this happened, trying to find ways to be a little bit more um, media savvy about getting information out there, keeping things relevant, keeping the families engaged and interested. So this sort of presented mm-hmm. the perfect storm, so to speak, <laughs> for that to happen. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but it was definitely challenging because obviously, you know, you can still reach out and call. Uh, you have the information in PowerSchool because we had remote access. But you had a lot of families navigating the, the similar situation of, you know, oh, my gosh, my kids are home. I'm not working or I am working. We're trying to figure out this this new normal. We're balancing. And I think uh, being available, I kind of was available outside that typical eight to four time frame. So that if the families mm. needed to send me a message, um, we had a website that, that our media specialist and I kind of tag teamed, keeping updated. We made sure that we partnered with our wonderful PTA and kept the information relevant and continuous on their social media platforms so that the families really still felt connected. Obviously, we couldn't do our fun like science nights or literacy nights, but we had done a lot of those beforehand. So I think building those relationships was super integral this year so that those families had that relationship and they could trust and say, you know, I can reach out. And we're very fortunate at Pooler. We have an exceptional um, staff and administration that's so communicative and so, you know, just there for our families. I think our principal has fielded thousands of phone calls over this. Um, <laughs> um, we love Miss McTipkin. She is she has been a trooper in all this. Um, but it's a very kind of little neighborhood school feel. So everybody sort of knows everybody and everyone rallies mm-hmm. around each other. And that was how my role really, really changed because I still had my requirements and things that I had to turn in for Title I requirements. But I kind of had to get a little creative and say, oh, hey, here's a really great virtual learning opportunity or check in with Oatland Island because they're doing um, the live adventures with the animal of the week. So kind of flipping the script a little bit and changing how we do things, not necessarily pen and paper, but really embracing the the virtual landscape and the remote learning opportunities. That's fabulous. And I know the I'm sure the parents were very appreciative of those extra efforts that you and um your comrades um put out there. Did um what I was gonna and could we follow up with that before we move sure, on? Sure, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <clears throat> Sarah, you spoke about um connecting with Oatland Island. 
and offering parents some resources. So could you maybe expand on that a little bit and share some of the other maybe recommendations or conversations that um, were different with your school community now that we were under quarantine and remote learning versus, you know, when you were um, in, a, in the face-to-face environment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Olin Island really kind of did the legwork. They did this incredible, I think they called them Foo Ventures, uh, Friends of Oatland Island Adventures. And every week they'd go live on Facebook. Uh, I think it was Wednesday and Friday. And they do like an owl. They do the alligators. And it was just an animal that would kind of spark some interest. And they'd answer questions live in their um, in their feed. So it was really, really cool. So I kind of took that and I shared it and we tagged back and forth, you know, hey, thanks Oatland Island um, for doing these right. really cool things. And then we also have so many local resources like Coastal Heritage Society, even though they were closed, they were still doing their, their um, historical interpreters were still doing like live feeds. So they talked about historical events and so many Jacksonville Zoo, Atlanta, all of these places had to do really virtual because obviously we couldn't have visitors or people or kids right. couldn't go places. So I think the opportunity, what we did is we kind of created by grade level different places that they could virtually field trip. And I think that really helped kind of give a mental respite to the parents and the families because these caregivers were with the kiddos 24-7. Um, it, it was like the never-ending summer break. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can speak to that from a personal level. Um, but Absolutely. Having the breaks and letting the kids kind of choose their own adventure, so to speak, really got them um, invested in the process. Because a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, here's a, when we first started in phase one, we had choice boards, which were great. They kept the kids on track, but sometimes you need a little bit of extra enrichment, especially if you have a kid that's not necessarily self-motivated per se to do their assignments, Mm -hmm. like my 14 year old, um, that was a challenge. (laughs) So having things to kind of break it up or let them take learning, take that ownership of the learning, I think really helped. And by relieving the kid's stress, you're relieving the caregiver's stress too, which I think is a huge part of this whole last, what are we, week 11, 12 at this oh point? Oh, gosh, you know, who's counting that never ending So many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I think well, that's really... Become more independent, it sounds like. You wanted them to um, have their own yeah. ideas about what they chose to do and having that independence so that the caregivers could also probably work remotely as well. Yes, and, and I think so that's that a big challenge, like, too. Yeah. Because you have a lot of of caregivers that were working remotely. Like, for example, for me, I had, you know, teams meetings scheduled and professional development scheduled. And even though I have two older ones that can help with my kindergartner, it was still there were times that he only wanted mom. And I'm like, mommy's on a Zoom call right now. I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think having those different opportunities to where either the older siblings or the child can engage on their own, it helps build those family bonds, but it also kind of provides a much needed sanity break. So, um, but, but they're still learning and, and learning happens everywhere. I'm a huge 
proponent and advocate of that. Like learning doesn't necessarily have to be in a brick and mortar building. And you are, as a parent, your child's first teacher. So I think that Mm -hmm. really helps strengthen that bond. Obviously, we weren't creating the curriculum. The district was wonderful and sent the information and the teachers just jumped on it and, and ran with it and was so proud of Team Cooler and, you know, all of our awesome teachers and staff in the district because they really just kind of embraced it, even if they weren't comfortable with it. And we're like, all right, we're doing this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I think that is just the blood and guts of an educator, you know, just yes. um, take it. <laughs> Make it your own and make it work. I think that's that just sets educators apart for um from so many others um, no matter what yes. we're dealt you know so yeah that's, right that's awesome whatever's whatever's good for the students yeah whatever they're, they're just <laughs> they're rock stars, and I mean they're teaching these students remotely, but then they also have their own children and families that you know so finding that balance i mean they're just i Heroes, educators are rock stars. I just, I'm I'm biased, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) I think we all might be just a tad. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Oh, I had a thought and I just lost it, but (laughs) it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, it will. will. Thanks for elaborating on those resources. Thanks for elaborating on those resources. I appreciate that. Yeah. Be our guest. Join in our conversation on a future episode and share your favorite resources, strategies, and even student projects. You're not in Savannah? No problem. We're just a phone call away. Complete the online form to be our guest on www.somethingtotechabout.com. Those resources and how you talked about, you know, providing breaks and so forth. If depending on what happens when the new new school year um, begins, you know, if we go back face-to-face or, or part of it or, you know, the hybrid model or whatever, do you see that those resources, even in a face-to-face, do you see those types of resources that you mentioned, like Oatland and all the um, virtual field trips, do you see a place for that? even if if it's not during remote learning in like in a face-to-face um, classroom yeah absolutely i i think it's going to look no, no matter how we go back in the fall i think it's going to be a a different normal than than we're used to obviously i don't think it's going to necessarily go back to the way that it was. So I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. educators are really going to have to find outside resources and really different ways that they can still do fun things because we don't know field trips, um, athletics, uh, you know, different things that we kind of consider part of the normal everyday fabric of the educational atmosphere, whether it's events, whether it's doing things in school, out of school, we really just don't know what that's going to look like and how we're going to kind of really come back. So I Mm -hmm. think having opportunities like this and kind of building up your 
repertoire and how you engage with the standards and utilize these resources. Because I think the resources are going to keep being created. These businesses have learned that, you know, in order for us to stay relevant, in order for people to continue to seek us out, we have got to meet them where they're at and where we can go. So I think teachers, educators, everybody are going to have more opportunities and hopefully free opportunities that aren't, you know, costing these educators personal money um, to really kind of enrich their classroom. You know, there's places, uh, my seventh grader watched a lot of stuff live from Colonial Williamsburg. He was born in Virginia Beach. So that's a place that's, you know, we can't travel there this summer. So he watched a lot of the historical reenactments and a lot of things that tie in with social studies. And he was learning, but he was also having fun. So I think finding Mm -hmm. that balance and bringing that piece of this um, distance learning back with us, however it is that we come back, is going to be really important and help our students, help our families, and just kind of keep adding to those resources. Yeah, can't agree more with that. (laughs) The kids have gotten a taste of it, and if they go back to, uh, not in all cases, maybe if they go back to what it was, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the disengagement may happen or, you know, different things I think now that students have realized, and I think teachers as well, educators as well, have realized that, yeah, you can still have that bit of fun while still learning and um, bring those students in into that learning environment and not, not always realizing that uh, they're learning while they're having that fun. Exactly. And I think we've really kind of seen over the last couple of weeks how flexible we can be if we need to be. And mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that, again, like we said, educators are, are absolute rock stars and <laughs> that learning happens regardless of where you are or what you're doing, per se. And I think yeah. that it, it's really helped a lot of the students that you know, might not necessarily be the the audio learner or the visual learner, mm-hmm. but man, they're hands-on. So I think this has really kind of spoken to the different kind of learners we have and um, how our educators are able to reach all of them, regardless of whether they're face-to-face or, you know, virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angie, do you have any questions? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I do. I do. So she's like, Sarah, I'm waiting. <laughs> no, I'm I'm listening intently and and jotting down notes and yes. So Sarah, you know, we've all come out of this um, remote learning situation. I should, let me rephrase that. We have not really come out of it. We have probably gone through like phase <laughs> one and two, right? Um, as it and as it morphs and such, moving forward. What were some of the the top needs of the families in your school community? When you think about like when we got started and then maybe, you know, as as things continued, did needs change? What were some of the things that your students and families needed from you as in your role as a parent facilitator? I think the biggest initial thing was obviously we didn't know what was what was happening. This all kind of we heard kind of rumbles about it and then the parade was canceled and then it was like, boom spring break happened and it went zero to 60 really, really fast. And I I think the biggest 
concern for several of the families. Um, there was obviously digital devices, which our media specialist is, is phenomenal. She, you know, put the word out via the teachers, you know, who needs a device. And we were able to sign out some of our Chromebooks to students who needed it, working with local internet providers to say, hey, you know, if we have a student that doesn't have internet access, but they're trying to do virtual learning, how how can we do this? And I think several of, of the providers really kind of worked with the district and kind of got on got on the, you know, program really, really quickly. And then the other thing was we have um, an ESOL population, English um, as a second language population at Pooler. Yeah. So that provided a challenge in and of itself because obviously they're, they're not receiving those services uh, because they're not mm -hmm. in the building, but we have an exceptional ESOL and a teacher in para who made it a point to continue that reach out, to continue facilitating with those families, reassuring them, and then they actually developed paper packets in Spanish to complement the packets that were um, being distributed for any students who weren't able to do the virtual learning. So okay. it was kind of an all hands on deck approach, but really that, that digital divide can be problematic. Um, that was probably the biggest stressor. And I think once we were able to sign out Chromebooks. We were able to get the families, you know, situated. Remembering the students, remembering their Google Classroom login was about <laughs> oh, a, sure. week, a week's worth of adventures. Our media specialist, um, <laughs> she fielded a lot of um, a lot of emails and a lot of calls that week. But I think once everybody kind of remembered their password and they got the devices working, and we made sure that we were putting our device on the charger because that helps mm. um mm -hmm. you know i, I think so many that, little details that yeah yes, people don't and, think and about yeah that you don't think about because you just put your chromebook back on the cow at the end of the day and your teacher goes around and makes sure that it's charging <laughs> and <laughs> you know that was just little things that we really kind of take for granted were brought to the forefront. I think the district doing the meals was a massive relief to our mm. families. Uh, food insecurity is a very real thing in, in the district. Um, and that was something that was really amazing. The YMCA that's local here, anytime that there was a post about a food pantry or some people were giving out like free produce, I tried to make sure we shared that across uh, our website, all of our communication channels um, and social media, because that way that's one less thing you have to stress about because we have families and we, do, we don't know how it affected them financially. We don't know if people lost their job. We don't know right, right. what the situation is really if, if the family's not sharing that with us. So we just kind of have to do a blanket response and say, okay, here's this resource. If you need it, great. If not, you know, please share it with someone else. And just keeping that communication going because that way the families knew, hey, we're still here. We're here in a different way, but we're here. You know, so doing video check-ins, we tried to do video check-ins like every couple weeks. Just be like, hey, we're here for you face-to-face. -face. Obviously, it's not a thing right now, but let us know what we can do to assist you. And for the most part, I, I think it went really, really well. Obviously, 
nothing's going to be perfect, but we were all kind of learning along together. So I think everyone gave each other a little bit of grace. And that was the really important part is, you know, you're, it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Right. You don't have to be perfect. We're just going to try and figure this out together. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so it sounds like in your community, and I think this is probably echoed along with many communities, um, the, the ELL students, so having your, having a, a language barrier is definitely a complication when you're trying to share just the simplest things like plug in the device and here's your login and here's how to interact with your teacher. So making, yes. meeting the needs of those students is a really important piece. And then remembering um, the food and there are so many worries. So as a parent facilitator, you know, I'm sure you found your role going from just shifting so much I, when you were speaking, you know, I'm thinking, my goodness, your, um, your marketing included ways to log in and how to get lunch for your child. And those are, those yes. are you know, very different, but very important pieces when we're all quarantined. And I imagine it was a lot to balance, but we're grateful that you have that position at that school. Um, <laughs> Drew and I are, are pretty familiar with, you know, what it was like to be a teacher during this remote learning part, remote learning um, in quarter four. But mm -hmm. as a working parent of school-age children, you had this different insight where you had, you were working, but you also had the children at home and you were trying to help other parents work through all this. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about maybe some routines or some struggles or maybe some aha moments that may have happened throughout all of yeah. this that you were that also happened in your family but maybe was helpful that you even were able to share with the community um absolutely i i think the reality just being real with the families that come in contact with you and just ask you know how do i do this and and that was a lot of it like how for me personally, too, it was like, how am I going to just keep three children in three very different grade levels and three very different learning styles on track? So, mm -hmm. and and then do mm -hmm. my work, also finish my master's because it was my thesis semester of my master's. Super fun. Um, yeah, that's not very much work at all. No, no. Um, ironically, it was about, you know, learning and e-learning and, and embracing the whole child construct. So it was a really good kind of baptism by fire type situation. Um, yes. But, but I think having, I'm very blessed that I have pretty independent kiddos. That's just their nature. And my older two have just been exceptional as far as making sure that the five-year-old does not make me pull my hair out or, you know, do a nice little cameo appearance on a Teams meeting. It still happens, but um, <laughs> the reality of it is that's just, you know, sometimes he wanted to say hi because he missed all of his his friends. He missed. Yeah. He did, and he missed the staff. He loves his principal. He loves his teacher. So if there was an opportunity to be like, hey, he'd take it. Um, <laughs> but I think being real with the families, because we all kind of started with this, oh, well, I'm going to get a planner, and I'm going to make a schedule, and from 8 to 12, we're going to have um, homeschool, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And if that worked, 
yes, good on you. You are my hero. For me, it was like by 930 in the morning, I'm like, if y'all just do something off your choice board and please remember to click turn in on Google Classroom, we're good. <laughs> you know, because, you know, my Attainable goals. <laughs> yes, yes. We implemented smart goals, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time. Okay. But to have a kiddo, you know, my oldest is a rising freshman now. And to have an eighth grader taking ninth grade level classes, very, very rigorous, you know, he was stressed. He missed that whole last quarter where they're supposed to have all their eighth grade fun. Um, you know, my yeah. middle son is a sixth grader, so he had just kind of gotten into the swing of middle school, and then it was like, just kidding. And then, of course, <laughs> my youngest was in pre-K, so he was just now getting to know school and routines and, and what that all entailed. So everybody got kind of thrown a curveball, and the thing that I tried to remind my families when they'd call and they'd be frustrated, it's like, you know, think of the social emotional needs of your children, not that the academics are not important. That's going to happen. Our teachers are incredible. They're going to make sure that your babies stay where they need to stay. But right. you need to make sure that if your kiddos are struggling, you know, please contact me for resources. If they, you know, have a breakdown, like our, our seniors, I mean, my heart goes out to our you know class of 2020 seniors because that's just so much that you've planned for. And you didn't really get that whole experience. And they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. So I think right. being conscientious of where your kids are at and not necessarily that you're the perfect home virtual learning parent, but that you're just there. You're there as a caregiver. You're there as a parent. You're meeting their needs because, you know, if we go back to the hierarchy of needs, we need to make sure that they're feeling okay, that they're fed, that they're that they're well, and then we can kind of move on to those other underliers because the learning's going to happen. I just think a lot of parents really beat themselves up because they didn't have it down to a science or it wasn't Pinterest perfect or it wasn't, you know, glowing on social media. And I, you know, I tried to remind them, you're going to see the highlight reels. No one puts their messy sink full of dishes on social media because let me tell you, exactly. I had one, you know, <laughs> you know, scrambling between a professional development session and, you know, our parents that are working from home, going from meeting to Zoom calls to making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, putting a baby down for a nap, running back around that's the thing just to really remind people give yourself some grace and I think our educators really felt that too as parents because they're like when do I flip that switch is it at 4 15 in the afternoon where I switch off teacher mode and go into mom or dad mode or do I take that call at seven o'clock at night and of course our teachers take those calls because they're amazing mm -hmm. because but mm -hmm. the parents need help at that point and exactly and finding that balance, I feel like, was very, very difficult. And then we also had the added stress that my husband works outside the home. He was essential during this whole process. And it was very worrisome. And the kids were, obviously the youngest wasn't, but my older two were very conscientious of the fact that dad was leaving you know, to go to work and that we were in the midst of this pandemic and that constant, you know, onslaught of information, I feel like too, 
the caregivers really needed to be aware of, and obviously I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, but telling the parents to kind of unplug a little bit and let mm. the kids take a minute and take a breather because I think we've all just been so inundated and information's great. I just think a lot of it is so rapid fire right now that mm. you absorb all that and children feel that stress. And I know we felt it in our house where we finally just had to say, okay, we just need a day. We need a mental health day. Let's go to the beach, you know, once it reopened and safely social yeah. distance, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's just kind of breathe and, and be because you have kids who are all over, you know, the developmental spectrum. You have kids that learn differently and kids that take all this differently. And all three of my boys are completely different animals when it comes to their learning style and their coping sure. mechanisms. So making sure that I was kind of checking in with them and reminding our families to not only check in with their kids, but, you know, check in for themselves, too. And if they ever needed resources, um, our counselors were great about getting information out there. The school counselors were wonderful. Um, mm. You know, for my older two, they were in middle school. They made sure, you know, hey, guys, check in with us on Google Classroom. We're going to check in with you. Um, their advisement teachers called to check and see if they needed anything, if they were struggling. So I think it was a really good opportunity for us to see how we as a community can kind of rally around each other rather than be in competition with each other, so to speak, because there's a lot of that, mm. um, you oh, know, yeah. and, and parenting, parenting has become, especially with social media, it's like, who's more Pinterest perfect and all this other stuff. So I think this was a really good way of saying, guys, just love your kids. We're going to get through this, but we got to get through it together kind of a thing. Right. And then, and to do what works for you, you don't have to be, what works in other families is not necessarily what's going to work in your family. And yes, same and, with schools, comparing schools. Yeah. And, and it does it. it. It's, it, one size does not fit all in education. I mean, you guys know that and you just really have to kind of make sure that the kiddos are okay. And then you can kind of, you know, move on to the next thing. The learning is going to happen. Um, and I think kind of getting parents to take a breath and to take pause and not stress so much about that was was difficult. But having a school community and a district that was very communicative, um, you know, very open with like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're here for you. Having the, you know, where you could check in on the Comcast channel for lessons, uh, just different ways that teachers and educators made themselves available to kind of try and take some of that stress off because it was like I tell, thankfully my husband's really good at math because I'm like, nobody wants me helping their child with Eureka math. So, <laughs> 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 or math in general. I am the ELA side of the house. So waiting, you know, until my husband got home from work for the kids to work on their math homework, we had to figure out a schedule that worked for us, but we got through it which I'm very grateful for. Um, it's, it just, it was really challenging. And I think being honest with the families that, look, I don't have it all together. I feel you on such a personal level, um, but we're here for you and we're here to share resources and we're here to help you. Is it going to, you know, fix everything? No, but I think probably not. <laughs> no, no, um, you cannot fix teenage attitude. I'm just saying, <laughs> um, but I, I think it really helped being realistic 
and not necessarily saying, oh, well, you just need to do this, this, and this. It was, what do you need and how can we assist you? And I think the whole district really kind of adopted that. Um, I can speak to it, you know, from two schools, working at one and having a student at one and then having two at another school. Um, it was just, let's take care of these babies. And, and we all kind of came together because we needed to take care of the babies. Yeah. Connect with us on your favorite social media channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at STTechAbout. Absolutely. So I think talking, um, staying on the same topic as babies and, mm-hmm. and children and students, <laughs> um, you know, I think you you touched on it a little bit earlier. You know, they've experienced something that, well, none of us have experienced, but being um, children, um, what were some of the things that your 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 children said? Did they miss anything particular? Did they have any um, funny quips that you know that um, <laughs> they kind of compared or anything like that that you would want to share? Um, how how did your children? deal with everything um very differently they Mm -hmm. all three of them have such different personalities my oldest actually um has asperger's uh which is a form of autism and Mm -hmm. he's very matter of fact there's no gray area so he was like okay we can't go outside we can't do this and in his mind this was going to be a really cool thing that he just like stayed in his room and played xbox and did all this stuff and but then that whole learning thing kept going and yeah and he was like oh so we're still and i was like yep you still got to check in on zoom with your teachers you still have to do homework you still have to you know matriculate from eighth grade and go to high school um so it was a little (laughs) bit of a a reality check for him which was kind of funny to watch but not really funny looking back to live through because again teenager um but then my sixth grader is like a a 100% academic read all the things do all the things completely self-sufficient, had a schedule made, knew when his Zoom calls were, when he was going to check in, what homework he was going to do. And I was like, okay, well, you're good. So (laughs) I I didn't really have to check in so much with him. But for him, it was more the social emotional because he was just learning the social kind of nuances of middle school, which is a whole different adventure from elementary school. And he didn't see his friends. You know, we didn't ride in with carpool in the morning. We didn't go to athletic events. We didn't have Kona ice days, which, you know, it sounds silly, but those were things that the kids really looked forward to. Um, And just having their little social circles that they're starting to build and really finding those personalities, it's been hard for them. And I mean, they still talk to each other via text and phone and the joyous fortnight. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast oh, um, exactly but you know I, I think 
that was really hard. And then, of course, the five-year-old, he had no idea. I mean, he was just like, why can't we go to the playground? Why do I have to wear a mask? Because that's always fun trying to get a five-year-old to wear a mask. And (laughs) not understanding why we couldn't go play trains at the bookstore. That's like one of his favorite things to do, but the train table's not out right now because obviously it's a, it's a surface that they'd have to continue to sanitize. Why can't we go to our favorite restaurant or just the little things that you really don't think about to see them through your children's eyes is very enlightening. And there were a couple of days where, you know, I'd be on a team's call and I'd be holding you know, Grayson, my five-year-old, because he was just done. He was emotionally Mm -hmm. like, I want to go outside. I want to see my best friend. I, you know, the video conferencing and apps and FaceTime, it it just wasn't fulfilling his social emotional needs right then and there. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to hold my kid and do what I can do during the meeting. Um, And, you know, my oldest, he finally, toward the end of the school year, he'd been really, really kind of aloof and he finally just lost it he's like I don't get an eighth grade dance I don't get you know they did a virtual bridging which was amazing and I'm so grateful and thankful for that but it wasn't the same that Mm -hmm. these kids had kind of built up and he understood the safety aspects of it and he wasn't kind of you know thrown a fit about it but it was just one of those things where he was like, it's just not the same. And this is what we're going to remember for, you know, the rest of our lives is that this is what happened. And this is how it was in 2020. And I think that was really having them band together. And then us as a family talking about it, I think conversation Mm -hmm. is so critical because it, it, they they tend to compartmentalize a lot of times, at least my kids do, and being able, you know, them being able to come out and say, hey, I'm having a really tough time with this. You know, let's let's talk about it. Let's have an open conversation. I think that was the biggest thing they struggled with. It was really just disappointment and yeah. not not having that normal that they really took for granted. And and they realized that being conscientious of the fact that, man, you know, walking into a school building, I never thought it was something I'd miss. And they did because that was what they knew. And it's, they saw the same four walls for the most part for, you know, (laughs) nine weeks. And they were so ready. They were like, I will never complain about going to school again. I was like, I bet you won't. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, they don't want the same teacher they had in quarter four next year. So they've they've put in a request. They're like, mm, can we not have mom next year? <laughs> so, they're ready. They're enough ready. For, enough already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, we see her every day. Can we have something different? <laughs> um, as we're wrapping up our our conversation, um, and of course we've talked. You know, mentioned it earlier nobody really knows what we're going to be looking at, you know, when we, um, when school starts up in the fall, um, no matter where you are in the world. Um, so just kind of assuming that we're going to continue some um, parts of remote learning in some way, think about, let's just kind of wrap up your 
your experience and our conversation with your top three remote learning tips for parents. Okay. Um, definitely, and I kind of gave this, you know, a lot of thought because obviously there's so much we could talk about with remote learning. I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing is, you know, number one, figure out what works for your family. Your family is not someone else's family. It's that you know your children, you know your specific situation and all the in- intricacies of your day-to-day life. So figure out what works for you. You know, don't necessarily try and go find a chore schedule or a learning schedule or something that someone else has created. Take that and make it custom for you because you're going to have a lot less stress if you work with what works for your family. Um, And then I guess number two, give yourself grace. That has been the biggest thing I personally have learned through this adventure is you're not going to do it perfectly every day. I mean, I don't think I did it perfectly any day, but don't beat yourself up. And I think we inherently as parents want to do everything that we can for our children, obviously, and, and make sure that we're doing it right. And this presented us with such a challenge because most of our parents are, are not trained educators and that in and of itself, you know, am I, am I doing enough? Am I meeting the standards? Am I, you know, that's not your job. Your job as a parent is to just, you know, keep them on track let them, you know, talk with their teacher and do what you can. And so I think grace is a huge part of the whole thing and to not, um, you know, really not bully yourself because a lot mm-hmm. of parents are were really, really hard on themselves through this. And I think finally, just, you know, you know your children. And we say that in the classroom all the time, you know, you know your child. What can we do to kind of, meet your child where they're at, give them that experience. So knowing your child and being part of this whole remote uh, learning, distance learning setup, what is working for your child? What is not working for your child? And Mm -hmm. being kind of keyed in, whether you're working outside the home, whether you're working remotely, look for those cues because your kids are going to tell you. And it may not necessarily be you know, oh, I'm stressed. It might be, hey, can you play with me? And and finding those times to really be in tune with your kiddos. Can we do it all the time and stop what we're doing? No. But if we have that opportunity and they're giving us that chance to communicate, then that's kind of one of those opportunities. Learning is going to happen. It's going to keep happening. But your child is that much more um, secure and confident and I think that really helps facilitate the learning process better when your child's needs are met too. Indeed. Well, Sarah, we... Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, It has been a pleasure um, for both, for all of us. And um, we wish you the best as we continue with whatever's going to (laughs) happen. Whatever comes next. (laughs) The adventure, yes. (laughs) Yes. So um, thanks again and, um, you know, enjoy your day and great job with those uh, parent facilitating um, tasks as well as your parenting tasks. 
your your kids are lucky. Yeah, thank they you. are, and I'm, I'm sure the people in your community really appreciated all that you did for them. I, I hope so, but even more so than that, it was, you know, it, it was a privilege because we were all, we're all in it together, and mm-hmm. moving forward, however we move forward, that's the, that's the important part, is that we're one team. Absolutely. Story. Well, thanks for joining us today on Something to Check About. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.